Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Father, we thank you for your presence. Lord, I just pray now, just speak into this room. We open up our hearts, our spiritual ears to hear what you're saying to us as a church, individuals. God, I just pray today that you'll speak through me with clarity to what you want to say. Let heaven speak today. Let heaven speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2 in just a moment. Last week, if you were with us, we started in Philippians chapter 1 uh, for our new uh, Greater series. It's called Greater uh, because I, I was mentioning last week to, to the people that I believe as a church, as individuals, we've got to believe for greater things. Amen. Uh, we've got to believe for God to do something greater in our lives. We're forever going from glory to glory. Amen. And so we want God to continually develop what He wants. The Bible says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God doesn't just have one plan. He has plans for your life. I'm so glad about that because sometimes I make mistakes, go off on the wrong direction. I'm so glad that God is like the sat-nav of my life that tries to reconstruct and take me on a better direction to get me to the purpose and will that he has. Amen? God wants to do that today. And for some of us, some of us have lost that direction. Sometimes we we go off on our own direction and we lose sight of what God has for our lives. How many of you know that God's will, his pure purpose, is the best thing that you can live out? It's the best pattern you can live for. Romans chapter 12 that that Ida brought earlier, what she brought there, if if there was any other scripture that I could have brought today that summed up what I'm going to preach, it was this. In fact, some of the things she said I was going to mention, but now I don't need to because she's, she's brought, and that's, that's the body of Christ for you. Because it's for us, for us to move forward into what God wants for us, we have to change our thinking. It was about changing and renewing your mind, your thoughts, your processes. Last week, we looked in week one at the letter, the Philippines letter that was written from Paul from prison. So what I talked about last week was the fact, the idea that Paul could write a letter, and, and, and this letter, is with, about 16 times it mentions the word joy. He speaks about joy from a place, a prison place, to encourage other believers in the church in Philippi, which he'd previously planted. Here we see that Paul writes this letter to encourage people even in a prison. The last week's message, and you should catch up on it, was called Prison Vision. It was looking at the idea that you can still have a vision, a greater vision, even in a prison in your life. Even in the moments you go through, which are so difficult, you can see greater. God wants to give you that greater vision. We looked at First Chronicles 12.32, saying that the, the, about the men of Issachar who understood the times. They knew what Israel should do. They had a, a greater vision to see beyond the circumstances surrounding them. We also looked at uh, the recognition of partnership. It's so important. Paul says that he recognized the power of partnership that they would that been with him from the beginning even till when he was in prison. That's when we need unity. That's why we talked about earlier that the church needs to come together. Because you're not going to just need God in your life. You're going to need people. People are just as important. That's why Jesus wants to build his church. He has a design, an idea. It's not that we just have our own meetings at home and listen on YouTube. God has designed it that we meet together. We encourage each other. And the power of partnership helps us uh, as we move 
forward. The next one I talked about was cultivating that idea of discipleship. We've got to get into the Word of God. We've got to listen to what God is saying in our lives, our personal lives, getting into His Word. And then beyond that, I talked about seeing life beyond your hardship. Paul saw beyond the prison. He saw something beyond. He was so encouraged about encouraging a church that he planted beyond his circumstances. And that is the kind of vision we need to have. We need to have a greater vision beyond our circumstances. Philippians 2, we're going to look at right now. Verse 1, we're going to go through right to 16. Let's read it. Paul says this, Therefore, if you have... Any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, be made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Amen. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, says Paul, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Amen. Wow. Paul goes on. He begins uh, chapter 2. With therefore. In other words, therefore, if you've grabbed everything I've said in in Philippians 1 about seeing things differently in your circumstances, understanding the power of unity, understanding this place that you have, that you've not just planted a church, that there's something greater. If you capture this, therefore, I want you to now grab what I'm about to say. And the one thing he talks about next is not uh, about a greater vision, seeing things differently, but the mind changing our thinking. The title of the message today is Great Minds Think Alike. Great Minds Think Alike. The reason I say this is because Paul starts off by saying this. Remember, he's writing from prison to this church he's planted, and he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul is basically saying, think like me. Don't just look at your circumstances like I'm looking at them, but now I want you to do something. I want you to change your thinking. In the book of Romans earlier, we heard about renewing your mind. You have to change your thinking. Sometimes we get so rooted in our thinking, it's so hard to change it. We get so rooted in the way we think about something. And what God wants you to do in your life when you've given your life to Jesus is to start to change your mind. 
Change your thinking. In Romans, we heard earlier about not following the pattern of this world. Not conforming to the world, but changing the way you are. How many of you know that if you conform to the world, you be like the world? If you conform to what the world does, then you're going to become like them. Whatever you follow, you're going to become. If you follow Jesus, you're going to become like him. The Bible says we're supposed to be like him. We're supposed to be ambassadors of Christ. So whatever you follow, you're going to become. Change your thinking. Paul says, I don't want, to, I don't want you to just see differently in your circumstances. You've got to think differently. Because when you think differently, you make different uh, decisions. You change the way you decide things. Verse 5, he then moves on and he says something even more extraordinary. He says, in your relationships with one another, that's speaking about the church, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Wow. Then the New Living Translation puts it like this, have the same attitude as Christ. Shall we just stop for a moment and just check whether our attitudes, the way we think, is like Christ. You see, Paul says, I want you to be like me in my mind, but I'm going to go on a little bit extra. I want to now take this a bit further. You've got to change your mind so that you're thinking like Jesus. You've got to ask yourself sometimes, whenever, sometimes people say, is this a sin to do this, or should I do this, or should I do that? Let me tell you something. Ask yourself the, the very simple question that someone uh, quite uh, intelligently made a, a wristband from, what would Jesus do? Anytime you think to yourself, should I be doing what I'm doing? Ask yourself the question, would Jesus do what I'm about to do? Because we have to change our thinking. And he says, not only be like me, but be like Jesus in your thinking, your attitudes, the way you think. Colossians 3, 2, Paul says this. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died with Christ. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Wow. That's amazing. That we have to change our thinking. He says, I want you now to get this in your mind that you can start to think differently. You can take on the mind of Christ. First Corinthians 2 talks about saying that we have the mind of Christ. Wow. That you can share in his knowledge. That's why when, when you talk about the gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament, the fact that we can hear prophetic words, we can speak uh, things into people's lives. Do you know what that is? That's sharing the mind of Christ. G- Jesus has given you, did you know this? He's given you access to his mind. He doesn't just say, uh, if you want to become a prophet, I want to just uh, let you feel these nice feelings and give you a few pictures. I want to take you to a level where you can share my mind. Wow. I don't know if you get that this morning, but if you want to develop your prophetic gift, and you can go to every prophetic class you want to hear the voice of God. You can, you can do all those things. But I want to just encourage you today, the Word of God, not a paperback book, the Word of God tells you today that you can share the mind of Christ. All you've got to do is change your thinking and say, you know, the next time you pray, say, Jesus, I'm just going to stay quiet for a moment, but I want to, I want to share your mind. What are you saying about my circumstances? What are you saying about the future? What are you saying about the church? What are you saying about the church I'm part of? What are you saying? And I'm telling you, Jesus loves to reveal things to you because he shares. As we say in our house, sharing is caring. Stealing is not appealing, Jacob. As as Emma says frequently. Not that he steals. But I want to tell you something. You can share in Jesus' mind. This is amazing. This is revelation. This is something you want to take home today. Because 
the, the problem is we read these scriptures and we think, okay, I've heard this before, renew my mind, think like someone else. By the time you get out of it, you think, I'm, I'm thinking like myself. Listen, you've got to get into the, this is something for you to pray into for 2018. So I'm going to get in my prayer closet and I'm going to start saying, you know what, I want the mind of Christ. I don't want to be limited by my mind. I want what he's thinking. And that will be the spirit of God working through you. So set your mind in Colossians on things above. Why? Because there are greater things for you. If you tap in, if you plug in to what heaven is saying, to what Jesus is saying over your life, you are going to have a greater picture than where you are right now. You're going to start to see things beyond, above and beyond where you are right now. Your revelation will expand. It will become greater. And what he's trying to say is here is when you're in prison circumstances, your revelation, your thinking can get so much bigger that your circumstances seem nothing around you because you share the mind of Christ. Just a few, uh, a few years ago, well, it's quite a long time ago, on Emma's 30th. Did I just say that? Well, it's my 40th this year, so if anyone wants to get me a card, I'm not going to tell you when. I'll, I'll, I'll test your prophetic minds. Seek the mind of Christ. He'll tell you. Listen, a few years ago, we, Emma said to me, she said, I've got, a, I've got a gift that's been given to me from my sister. She said, we can go anywhere in the world. Her sister works for British Airways. It's, it's quite good when you know someone who works for British Airways. And this doesn't happen often. So she said, you can have um, a free uh, ticket to go anywhere you want in the world. And she, she asked us, and so we chose, we said, we're going to go to New York. So we, we went to New York. I've shared this before, but one of the things um, that happened that day is we got there, and they said that you're in club class, uh, possibly, which was a real shame. And so we get to the airport at Heathrow, and we walk in, and I'll never forget arriving there and them saying to us, you, a sister said, whatever you do, you can't go in the first class lounge because you're not allowed. I was looking at this lounge thinking, you know, I, I want to go in that lounge. I want to go in the first class bit. And we walked through and we went through all these different passport checks. And we got right to the end. Just before in the, in, in, in the boarding area, uh, this, this lady came up to us in a British Airways uniform. And she said, if you want, you can go in the first class lounge. You see, my ticket didn't say I could. Her sister said I couldn't. But then the lady tells me you can. And I saw this escalator. Going up to another level. You know, you know the difference when you know when you're in economy? When you see the escalator and at the top it's gold and reflective. At the bottom it's quite dull. And you're thinking, if only I had the money to go up there to join the elite. And there we are in our scruffy clothes. And so she's, she says one thing. A sister says, I've got two people telling me I can't go to first class. But this lady said, just go up there. Just show your ticket. And so we, we said, shall we go? We, we conferred. And we walked across. And I said, come on, let's just have a go. I'm a northerner. Anything for a free bacon sandwich rather than paying at Pret-a-Manger. So we walked up and we get on the escalators. We go up. My heart was going 50 to the dozen as we went up these escalators. There were people around me with suits on looking like they were millionaires. And there's, there's me just trying to cash in on a nice bacon sandwich. That's all I want. We get to the top. There's this beautiful check-in desk. First class in gold. And we walk up and my heart was going because you have to show your ticket. I thought I'm going to be so embarrassed. If they don't let me through. I'm sorry, sir, your ticket is not at that standard, at that level. So I walked up and she, my, Emma's going, why are we doing this? I said, just trust me, we'll get a bacon sandwich. We get to the front, she says, can I help you, sir? I handed my, my boarding passes, she, she plugged the details in and she let me through. Praise God, there were angels there that day. You know when angels join you and I think they blinded her. And, and so I'm thinking, wow, this is a miracle. God really loves me. He knows I need a bacon sandwich. And so we went through and the, the people behind me, now I'm acting like I'm first class. Because to them, they don't know. This is just a one-off experience. It's like a red letter day for me. 
And I walk in and I sit down and boy, did I ate more than one bacon sandwich. I mean, you've you got to take advantage when things are free. Emma's just sat there reading the paper. I'm, I'm going to get another one. I don't want one, but I'm having one. You know? Have another coffee? Yeah, I don't want one, but I'll have one. There's all these rich men around. They don't even eat anything. They're so used to it, they don't want it. So I ate them, ate it for them. But do you know, it's like, it's like that for us. Because what, what happens in our life is that God is telling you today, I want to change your thinking because you've been given first class. You've been given a greater class than you think you have. You've been given a greater ability. You've been given a first class ticket. And so when I tell you in the word that you are eligible to sit in heavenly realms in first class and to hear what I'm saying, I want you to hear this clearly today. Don't let the enemy, whoever they are, tell you that you cannot sit in heavenly realms. That you can't sit in high places because the word of God declares it over your life today. He says, I want you to get on the escalator. I want you to go to the top. I want you to know that you have access. Wow. And it's not for a bacon sandwich. It's for revelation. It's for knowing me. It's for changing you and transforming you. Don't sit at the bottom when you can be at the top. Don't sit and take second rate premium economy when you can be right up here with me. We have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Say to yourself right now, I've got the mind of Christ. Come on. I want to just bring a few points. That was just my introduction. A few points to to share with you today about what Paul says in this that I believe about being greater. We become greater, first of all, by, and this really does tie in with the worship this morning, everything that's been said, and that is surrendering our ambitions. Surrendering our ambitions. Paul says something really clear. He says this, verse 3 of Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That means vain conceit. If you don't know what that means, it means excessive pridefulness. Being really proud. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That is nothing. Rather... In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wow. Do you know what we do sometimes? Sometimes in our lives, we tend to do things for us. We tend to live our lives as Christians to please ourselves. That's self You see, I don't want to be someone moving forward who is pursuing the kingdom for my own benefit. Because that's not what we've been called for. In fact, Paul goes on to say, he says, I don't want you to just do things for your own ambitions. But now I want you to get some thinking change because this ain't the way the world thinks. So when you get into Christ's mind, this is what's going to happen. You're going to start to realize that it's not about you and it's about other people. Your life is about sacrifice. It's what we heard earlier. Be a living sacrifice. Lay down your life for everyone else and stop thinking about what you want. I don't like this church. They preach this. I want to do what I want to do. I want to become the next best preacher. I want to become the next best person whose people are listening to online. I want to do all these things. Jesus says, do these things so that you can lay your life down. That's what he did. He laid his life down as a ransom for many. He gave everything. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. And so today what we need to get into our minds is stop thinking. Because let me tell you, selfish ambition, we've got to check our hearts on this. Because listen, we can all get a bit of it in us. Pride, wanting to achieve for our own benefit. 
these days there's more ministries and websites out there than, you know, I can't count them anymore. There's that many different options to listen to and, and look at. There's that many things out there. People get so confused. And sometimes we see what looks like selfish ambition. Jesus was never like that. Jesus managed to change the whole world without a website. Jesus managed to do it without YouTube, everyone. He did not have Facebook. He did it all. Twelve men. Some people say he turned the world upside down. I hope he didn't. We want it the right way up. Jesus changed the world without a website. Because it wasn't about him. He became nothing. Nothing. James 3.16 says this. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. You don't want to go to that church, do you? You're going to find disorder and evil practice. If you read just before that in James, he talks about the demonic. Talks about the demonic. In other words, when you get into this area... And by the way, you can subtly walk down these avenues. You think you're doing things for Jesus, but actually if you check your heart, you're doing it all for yourself. You walk down these avenues and before you know it, what you're doing is you're walking into demonic territory. We've got to check ourselves. Why? Because we want to lead churches. We want to plant churches. We want to do things for Jesus that are not about our ambitions. They're about what Jesus wants. What are his plans? Not what are my plans. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Some of us today need to check our hearts. About selfish ambition. Do we carry this in our hearts? Is it something that we're trying to do things for ourselves and not, not for Jesus? In John chapter 12, there's a story of Mary opening up this pint of pure nard. This expensive perfume, this, this smell. And she opens it up in the room and to put upon Jesus' body. And when she does this, there's a man in the room called Judas Iscariot. He says Judas Iscariot was someone who was a thief. He liked to, he looked after the money, but he liked to dip in and out of the money. So in other words, they let him, he was the treasurer, but he was stealing the money. So he was looking after the money. and You'd think Jesus would have chose someone else, wouldn't you, other than Judas, to look after the money if he's a thief. But Jesus shows this man, and he, he looks after them, and he says he's a thief. And then all of a sudden, when he sees this, this moment of extravagant surrender, sacrifice, cost, he sees it happen, and Judas chirps up and says, hang on a sec. Couldn't have this been given to someone, to the poor? That's a year's wages. Did you hear that? One year's wages. He says, couldn't you have just given this to the poor? You see, sometimes our, what we say we want to do for God can sound like it's good. We can sound like we're suggesting good things to look good. But deep in his heart, he was about to sell off Jesus. He's saying, couldn't you, why are you doing this? I'll tell you why he didn't want to do it. Because he saw it as a waste. Because his heart was after money. His ambitions were after money and not Jesus. And some of us today, what we do is we try to look to others in the church or our friends like we're doing things for Jesus. Oh, we could do this. We could do this. But deep in our hearts, there's a different motive. I want to ask you today. I know it's hard stuff, this, but check your motives. Check your motives. Sometimes check your motives, follow the line of your motives, get right to the end and you'll find out what you're really after. That's why Paul says we've got to examine our hearts. We have to examine ourselves because sometimes if you follow the line, my children get me doing this sometimes, I have to follow a line and say which, which one's the end that gets to the mess. If you follow the line, you'll find that actually your motives are for yourself. 
get rid of it. Why? Because it's where disorder is in every evil practice. Some people sometimes say, I, I wouldn't go to these witchcraft seminars. I wouldn't go to these places. Do you know what? Sometimes if we're not careful, our churches can become like this. I don't care how well we dress and how well we look and how well we sing. It's deep down in our hearts. God looks at the heart. That's why when we worship him, it's not about how, how it sounds and how it looks. It's about what's going on in your heart. His, his language, his heart language. He comes in this morning in the room, his presence is here and he's looking at your heart. He's saying, where are you at with me? I'm interested in that. I'm not interested in whether you can sing C, G or D. One day we're all going to be together in heaven. And there's going to be no selecting of worship teams or anything. We'll be singing with the angels. We'll be singing with the angels. I want to encourage you today. Check your heart. Check your motives. We can have God ideas, but flesh motives. Paul says in Philippians 2.7, Jesus made himself nothing. Nothing. What? This is Jesus. Jesus came to make himself nothing. Wow. Then it says, verse 9, Therefore God the Father exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name. Wow. In other words, he says, if you're going to be like Jesus, make yourself nothing and then I will elevate you. I'll make you greater when you become nothing. Let him be the one that makes you greater. The problem is sometimes when people become great, pride steps in and then we fall. Pride always comes before the fall. We get proud in our hearts. So we've got to make sure we check that as well. I love John the Baptist in John chapter 3. The disciples come along to him in John chapter 3 and they say this. Hey, John, you know that man you saw? He's starting to get people. He's baptizing people. He's starting to get some attention. This Jesus who you talked about, he's getting attention. Jesus responds and he says this, verse 27. A person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah. But I'm sent ahead of him. Verse 30 says, he must become greater. I must become less. He must increase. I must decrease. I love it that John, John is highly rated. John, he's even mentioned in the Christmas story. We talked about this at Christmas. He's mentioned in, in the pregnancy of Elizabeth. He's mentioned he's got some real good prophecies over his life. You right now have got stuff spoken over your life. You've got things that God said about you. And sometimes you can wander around telling everyone about what God said and actually lose sight of who, who you're doing it for. John goes through his life and he realizes he's attracting people. He's preaching this message. He's got people listening to him on YouTube. He's got followers. He's got Twitter followers, this guy. People are listening to him. So much so that the disciples say, hey, John, do you know Jesus is getting more followers than you? People are looking at him now. And that moment when he realizes why, because he understands in his spirit and his thinking, he realizes now it's time to step down. Now it's time because Jesus is on the scene. When I hear the voice, when I hear the voice of the bridegroom, when I hear his voice, it's time for me to step down. Because the bride needs the bridegroom. It's time for me to get out of the way. It's time for me to decrease so that he can increase. When Jesus steps in the room, get out of the way and become nothing. Because when you're nothing, he becomes everything. When you're nothing, he's going to become everything. If you want a very impacting ministry, if you want to move forward for Jesus Christ in 2018 and be greater in everything he has for you, let me tell you, the best thing you can do is be nothing. Hallelujah. What needs to decrease in your life so that he can increase? What needs to decrease in you so that he can increase? There's some things in our life we need to decrease. 
There's some things we've got to start, stop doing so that he can increase. He gets the glory. He gets all of the attention. Not you, not me, but he gets the attention. I've put here that if you want to become something in the eyes of God, then become nothing in the eyes of people. If you want to become something in the eyes of God, then become nothing in the eyes of people. I love what Patrick brought earlier about Smith Wigglesworth saying that we, it's not about what we look like. And I've got a, a, a quote here I want to read from you from Catherine Coleman, who wrote this years, many years ago. She was a famous healing evangelist in the 70s. Powerful ministry. And she writes this powerful uh, quote. The heavenly father does not ask for golden vessels. He does not ask for silver vessels. God asks for yielded vessels. Those who will submit their will to the will of the father. Then she says this. And the greatest human attainment in all the world is for a life to be so surrendered to him. That the name of God Almighty will be glorified through that life. Wow. You couldn't put it any better. In other words, she says, he's not looking for gold vessels. He ain't looking for silver vessels. He's looking for someone who's yielding to him. It's the greatest achievement you can have is to be surrendered, to take your ambitions this morning, everything that you've got planned in your head for 2018, and say, God, I surrender them to you. Doing me what you want to do. Doing me what you want to do. Number two today is we become greater by obeying God's directions. Philippians 2, 12 to 13, Paul says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Paul says something really key here. He says, you've obeyed in my presence, but now much more you need to in my absence. Some of us, do you know what we've got to stop doing is we, we can treat church on Sunday like it's the place of presence. That when we leave on Monday, we lose our obedience. That this place becomes the place where we obey Jesus. But actually, when we're not surrounded by others, when we're not listening to the word being preached and you get into work on Monday morning or to college or wherever you go, Monday becomes the day when actually, now I'm not in the presence of other followers, now my obedience is pushed aside. Paul says, I want you to catch something here. You've always obeyed me in my presence when I've been with you. But now I'm not with you, even more you need to do it. And some of us need to stop treating the church like this is the place where God rests and he's not anywhere else. That when we come here, his presence is here, but he's not not at work when everyone's swearing. He's not at work when everyone's doing what they do and saying what they say. Let me tell you, he's right there. He's right there. Why? Because Jesus sat with prostitutes. Jesus went to tax collectors' houses and people hated them. He sat and had dinner with them. He was there. Jesus hung around with all the people that most of today would not want to hang around with the church. Why? Because it was the sick who needed a doctor. It was the people who needed to hear the message of Jesus. Those who didn't want to hear were hard of hearing. Jesus went to the ones who needed to hear because they were willing to hear. I want to encourage you today. In your walk with Jesus, whatever you're doing this year, whatever you are pursuing this year, pursue his directions over your life. Not your directions His directions. Obey him in everything he asks you to do. He says, you've obeyed me in my presence. Now much more in my absence. 
I want to tell you, when you get out of here, this is not the place where you find all revelation. You find it when you listen to Jesus. King's Church, fantastic, but listen to me. Your house is just as powerful to be in the presence of Jesus. When you start getting into this this view that being here is the place of presence where you're more obedient to him, listen, you've got it wrong. Because what we've got to learn is that we can be in prison environments, see bigger, think greater, and you you can be in a dark place, but with the presence of God. Did you know that? Darkness may surround you. We sang this in our, in our life group last time. We said that, that, that things may surround us, but he surrounds us more. Listen, Jesus, may, he, he overwhelms what overwhelms you. What's overwhelming you, he overwhelms. Why? Because light always breaks into darkness. Wow. We want what you're saying. You know, you know, sometimes it's so hard that we know what Jesus has been saying to us and he's calling you to do. He's, he's spoken some words over your life and you know what you've got, to, you've got to do, but we push them words aside. We don't want to do what he told us to do. The other night I was given the duty. My wife annually, she does this. She doesn't talk to me about it. She sends me an email to invite me to look after my son at the Beaver's Night Hike and sleep over in a cold church. I get an invite. It's one of those invites that you wonder whether to accept and press yes or tentatively accept or say no. And then she asks me why I'm not going. If you tentatively, it doesn't really matter because she'll still ask me why. And so I accepted because I knew it'd be worth me doing. And so I accepted. I said, what have I got to do? She says, you've got to go again. I said, why aren't you going? She said, I really feel it'll be bonding time for you and your son. Bonding time. I've done it two years now. I've got to know my son well, I'll tell you. I've got to know my wife well too. Bonding time, she said. So I went Friday night. I went down to the, to the Beavers night with my sleeping bag to sleep in the church. A church of an Anglican church. I went to this place and there's all teams of people. And by the way, when I got there, I'm just going to be, be honest with you. I didn't want to go. Why? Because I wanted to be in the warm house. I didn't want to go down with kids running around, throwing things around, popcorn, then go on a three-mile walk in the dark. I went past some of your houses, by the way. In fact, I bumped into Elizabeth. She nearly, she nearly, Elizabeth, you know Elizabeth here? She nearly rode, rode me over on a bike. She said, pass the fool. She, she ran into us all on the bike. Then she got a selfie. She says, can I take a picture with you? I said, yeah. I went out on this hike. I did a three-mile walk. I could barely walk when I got back. Spent the evening. The kids wouldn't go to sleep. I am terrible. Which is, but they said this to me when you went. They said, well, you've all got to get into groups. You've got to take seven kids. You're a leader. They pointed to me and said, you're a leader. You can lead seven children. I was, it's one of the moments when I just want to hide. Seven children. She says, yes, there'll be other leaders with you, but you're the leader. In fact, here's the map. She gave me the map for a three-mile walk, so I looked at it, and we had to go to five fish and chip shops and order a bag of chips in each shop. I'm telling you, I've never eaten so much chips in my life. Meanwhile, Emma sat at home. Yeah, you can laugh. And next year, she's going. I'm walking around, and, and they said this to me. They set the rules. The beaver. The beaver man came out with his tie on, and, and I'm thinking, I'm trying to, I'm just thinking about when's this thing all over? Honestly, I've got to be honest with you. But all the time, kept telling myself, this is bonding time with my son. This is bonding time with my son. Get rid of your selfish ambitions. And he says, these are the rules. When you go, none of the seven children can go ahead of you. If they go ahead of you, they broke the rules. You always need to be in front. How many know that I've not got very big legs? Some of these kids, they're bigger than me. We get out and we're walking down the road. They kept charging ahead. I'm saying, will you get back? Three miles I had this. Where's the next chip shop? Honestly, I felt like ordering five bags of chips in one shop and just going home. Saying, yeah, we tried them all. But you know, you can't lie. So we carried on going. They kept stepping ahead, running. I said, come back. Stop. That's when Elizabeth nearly ran me over. 
She said, what are you doing? I got seven kids with fluorescent jackets on. She said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, don't ask. You'll find out, church. Anyway, we carry on. And I realized something, that eventually they got sick of chips. They said, when the next chip shop, where are we going next? We're going to, we're going to Arbury, we're going to head there, we were going to all these different places. They said, can we have pizza instead? We're sick of chips. What about something else, pizza? I said, no, the rules are, the directions here go try chips. We've got to review them. Honestly, we were outside chip shops. The man inside thought we were the, the food, checking food hygiene. We had a sheet of paper ticking off and saying whether the cleanliness was good enough. With, with seven kids with fluorescent jackets, he thought he was going to be shut down. They said, can we have pizza? I said, no, the rules are chips. Do you know what happens in our lives? God has given you directions. He said what you're supposed to do. He told you what he wants you to do. He told you back years ago, but you've stopped listening. You said, I don't want to do that because it doesn't fit with my agenda. It doesn't fit with what I want to do. I don't want chips. I want pizza. I don't want this. I want what I want. It's all about me. It's about me. No, it's not. If you want to know God's will and purpose for your life, do what he told you to do in 2014. Do what he told you to do back in 2010 that you ignored him on. Because you said, I want to do what I'm doing. Because I'll tell you, you'll never get anywhere if you ignore him. They obviously got ahead of me, but I soon brought authority into the situation. By the end of the walk, they knew who was in charge. I got used to it after a bit. It's amazing, after a bit of energy and some chips, what you can say and shout. Boy. Listen, God wants you to listen to what he said to you before. Some of you are saying, I want God to tell me what he's doing now. He's saying, I told you before, but you broke the rules. You're doing what you want to do. Follow his directions. Obey his directions. For God to fulfill tomorrow's purpose in your life, he requires obedience today. If you want to see the full purposes of God, you've got to obey him today. See, Jesus maintained his obedience in suffering. It's amazing. Jesus comes. And that first, you can imagine that, that miracle in Cana in Galilee, one of the first miracles he does, changing water into wine. And he does this amazing miracle. And, and then he begins to wander around doing good and healing people. Resurrecting people from the dead. He does all of this stuff. This is glory moments. But Jesus learned something. He learned to obey the Father in suffering as well as all the excitement of what God was doing through him. He became nothing. You see his purpose and that, that is something we've all got to grasp. Don't look that God is, is, trying to, is trying to say that your future is always about blessing because sometimes it's going to be about suffering. Oh, but we don't want to hear that. We just want to hear when my ministry is going to begin. When am I going to start doing things so people know about me? When am I going to start doing things so I'm impacting the body of Christ? And Jesus is saying, I want you to not have a focus on when is it about you. Just give everything to me so you become nothing. Because all I want to do is flow through you. In fact, don't even worry about whether you're suffering or you're benefiting. Just give everything to me. Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. There's some thinking involved in that. You've got to work it out. You've got to find out what God is doing in your life. Salvation is not just a one-day experience. Salvation is a discovery of the plans of God. He saved, healed, and delivered you. He set you free. That day when you gave your life to Jesus, it was day one of a journey of exploration into everything he's got. Some of us treat it like it was a one-day experience and then saying, God, what next? Come on. No, he says, I want you to discover. I want you to put mind and think about it. In Acts chapter 16, we looked at this last week, and I'll just briefly mention this. But in Acts 16, Paul, he wants to go to Asia. 
on a trip. He's on his missionary trip. He's off to Asia. That's his agenda. That's his ambition. I'm going to Asia. And on his way to Asia, God stops him. He says the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them to go there. So then they end up going to another place. They stay there and God speaks to Paul in a dream, gives him revelation to go to Macedonia. He goes to Macedonia and that's how the church in Philippi got planted. The one that he's writing a letter to now. So now we see that God will take you on a journey. You can have ambitions and even Apostle Paul, full of the Spirit of God, can end up heading in the wrong direction. He can end up heading to the wrong place. Let me tell you, there are people here today, you need to hear this, that you are trying to go to Asia when you're supposed to be in Macedonia. You're trying to go to your Asias when you're supposed to be going to your Macedonia. Why? Because God has a greater plan. He's sending someone else to your Asia so that you can be in Macedonia. Why? Because there is something in you that God's going to do that he can't do in the other person. Oh, no, no, no. But you don't realize, my gifts and abilities, I need to do this. I've got to go to Asia. No, God says, let me direct you. Did you know this? I love this. The moment he does not push a door that's trying to be shut on him, do you know what happens? He gets more revelation. I love that. So some of us are saying, God, I don't know if he's opening this door, closing that. How many doors I hear people opening and shutting all the time in people's lives? He's opened this door, he's shut that door. I get confused. Whereabouts are you? Yeah, he's pushing. Listen to me. I understand what you're saying. But when you try to push a door, if he tries to hold it on you, leave. Do not try and push your way through. Do you know that Paul could have still attempted to go to Asia? When it says the Holy Spirit stopped him from going, it doesn't mean that he, he put a massive wall, that he couldn't, an invisible shield that he couldn't step through. He had a choice to obey And so the Holy Spirit would have dropped in his heart and said, you can't go there. Something through revelation would have happened. But it's at that moment, do you decide to follow your will or his will? I believe God would have allowed him to go straight into Asia, but I believe he could have been a dead man. God knows better. And so when he shuts the door, do not try and push it saying, is there something wrong with the hinges? I'm sure this this should open for me. (laughs) I'm meant to go through here. There's something wrong with this door. When you can't get through, leave. Why? Because the next day he's going to give you revelation for the door he wants you to walk through. Because that is what he does. When you share the mind of Christ, you're going to get revelation to what he wants to do. I put here our next steps for God are not based on confidence in our ability, but through reverence to God and his ability. Some of us, we treat our next steps. I'm going to go to Asia because my gifts and abilities, I've got the right credentials now. I can go through this door because I'm the person that God wants to use. I've got it already. I'm confident enough. I've got the gifts. I can do X, Y, Z. It's time to go through this door. God sent you today. Stop trying to base your steps on your confidence and ability. I've reverence to me and my ability. What they did is they realized that even though they knew they could minister in Asia, they had the gifts, the abilities, all the credentials to go. They said, no, we will put our reverence to God. If he says we go that way, we go that way. It's not about my confidence. It's about his, the reverence to him. James 4, 13 to 17 he says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Verse 16, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, it is a sin for them. Some need to do the last thing God told you to do. Why? Because you know the good you ought to do, but you're not doing it. It's time to surrender all of your will. To him. And finally, we reach a greater level by guarding our reputation. Verse 14 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. 
as you hold firmly to the word of life. Wow. Paul says this. Listen, it's also about your reputation. When you're in situations like me and you're in prison, you can either sit here, moan and groan, and you ain't going to achieve nothing. Because the greater your reputation for God, the greater your illumination for God. The greater your reputation is, the greater you're going to illuminate. He says, you are going to shine like stars. If you get rid of grumbling, arguing, that people see that when you're amongst them, that they see that in you there is something pure, there is something good, there is something that attracts them, let me tell you, you're going to become great because I'm going to make you shine. I love that song years ago, Graham Kendrick, shine Jesus, shine. Fill this land with your glory. Is that what it said? Shine in me, Jesus. Shine. If you want to shine, then you've got to watch your repetition. Because what you do outside of here is what's important. When you're amongst unbelievers, you need to check your repetition. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if you want to shine, if you want to become great for God, if you want to shine like the stars, then you've got to watch your repetition. Some of us are saying, until God makes me shine, I'm just going to stay here and groan and moan. God wants to, sh- to shine through you. He wants to do that today, people. The greater your reputation for God, the greater your illumination for God. See, the other night when I went to the Beavers sleepover, I was with these people and parents and I must admit, I walked in there with a bit of a bad attitude. If anything, I need to preach this to myself then that night. And I had this on my mind, you see. And so when you know what you've got to preach, and then sometimes it's interesting, when you know what you've got to preach, and then God starts putting things in front of you, and you realize that actually I'm not living up to this. Come on, church. You know it's true. We're not perfect. And so I, I, I went, and I thought, I, my attitude... There are other people here. Some of these people know, yeah, I go to church. And so I, I thought, I can either have a bad attitude or a good attitude. And do you know, halfway through the night, I thought, I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to change the way I'm being. Because people are looking at me. And how can I shine like a star? Sounds like an S Club 7 song. How can I shine like a star? If I've got a bad attitude. Someone once said your attitude determines your altitude. If you want to get to great heights for Jesus Christ, then check your attitude. If you are a mourner and a groaner and a grumbler, check your attitude. Check what you're doing and the way you're speaking. Because we all fail. But Jesus says, I want you to check your attitude so I can take you to great higher altitude. And so I went and then I changed my attitude. Do you know what? It's a good job I did. The next morning, we had bacon sandwiches. It's the be- oh, it was the best part of the, the whole thing. You know that, that moment you think, I've done the sleepover. It's all done. All I've got to do is now is eat a bacon sandwich. What a vision. <laughs> so they got the, ba- the bacon. In fact, I got it. I set my alarm clock. I was late. I walked in. The breakfast was all cooked. It was amazing. I walked in. I got my bacon sandwich. And then some of the parents who... Who, who, who didn't stay over that night? They weren't as uh, they weren't as submitting as I was. They came the next day to collect their children. And they walked in. They saw me and they said, "How did you get on?" And I thought I could either grumble, or I can have a good attitude. And I had a good attitude, and I changed the way I spoke. And when I spoke like that, it's interesting. Ten minutes later, I ended up sharing the gospel with two of these people. They asked me about my job. They asked me about why I do what I do, and then it evolved into sharing. I was preaching at them. I thought, I'm so glad I didn't have a bad attitude before, because I would have never had a good foundation to preach to. Your attitude determines your altitude. If you want to do great things, then check your attitude first, because God won't use you. He won't use you. You know, if I've got a bad attitude, he's going he's to use someone else. He's going to find someone who's got a good attitude to use. 
Remember verse 5. He says, Paul says, have the same mindset as Christ. Then he says, verse 15. Do this so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. We've got to become pure, church. We've got to become pure. He says, do this by holding on to the word. In Psalm 119, I come to a finish. Verse 9. He says this, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Do you know what? There's no rapper, no singer out there, no famous person can give you a word to make you pure. There's so many voices that children are listening to these days. Different people online. And my son sometimes, he shows me songs and I'm like, you can't listen to this. And they start to hear things. Their friends start to show them things. And there are people they look up to. And when they listen and they're looking at certain things, they're listening to people. And listen to me, there's only one thing that's going to keep you pure. And that's the word of God. That's what he says here. Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of beauty? By living according to your word. If the worship team want to just come back. If you want to shine for Jesus Christ, hold on to the word of life. Become pure. You've got to protect and guard your reputation. You've got to protect it because the enemy is using everything he can to tarnish you. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.